when you're in a sport and you know so much, the temptation is there. Sergio Garcia, before he won the Masters, I heard the father-in-law gave him a big cage rattle, like quit acting like the game like owes you something. Go out and earn it. Like go win. Like stop being such a little bitch, basically. And I was like, oh, wow, that that might be exactly the pep talk that Sergio needed. And he won the Masters. And I, I benefited, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's, I felt a little like, I mean, this is really good info. I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out. Trying not to think what I'm thinking about. I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out. Trying not to think what I'm thinking about. Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back for another Fire Drill podcast. I am in Denver, Colorado for the U.S. Amateur. Matt Janella, after a long sojourn to Ireland, is back in Oceanside at Fire Pit World headquarters. Welcome home, Matt. Oh, my God. To say it's been a rough reentry into reality would be a complete and total understatement. 31 hours from Waterville, uh, Villa Maria, little hotel in the middle of town bus shannon jfk mechanical troubles la uber to san diego home 31 hours later um and uh, yeah yesterday i was borderline coma <laughs> well thanks for shaking All off the cop yeah, thanks for shaking off the cobwebs here for our listeners. So we thought today would be a little bit of a state of the, of, of the fire pit. There's a lot going on here. Um, I've been living the amateur life. I was at I was at Bel Air Country Club for the women's amateur. I'll be um, at Cherry Hills this week for the U.S. amateur. And we want to talk a little about the Ireland trip. And we thought we'd relive some of the, the fallout from our Billy Walters excerpt last week. We kind of podcasted as it dropped, but it's been a very eventful, you know, basically six days since then. So um, let's get into it. But um, I, I will say, you know, and I, I was writing every day for firepitcollective.com uh, from Bel Air. And it was just so refreshing to be at a at a high level amateur event. On, I've been, as people probably know, I've been covering the, the this war between the PGA Tour and Live Golf and while it's been fascinating, it's also just all about the money and everyone's suing each other, or they were, and and all the bitchiness and all the name calling and the mudslinging and uh, the overwhelming feeling at Bel Air was just sort of joy and gratitude. And and these young women were just so delighted to be on this this really fascinating golf course, to be in LA with all the excitement and competing for a national championship. And it was just an absolute like palate cleanser and a. And, you know, I'm, I have no doubt this week at, at the U.S. Amateurs is going to be the same. So uh, it's, it's been it's been a nice, nice break, nice change of scenery. Um, and I want to know I want to know more about it. I will say on the subject of money, uh, just in order in order for us to pay some of our bills. Yes, I want to uh, <laughs> thanks. Thank some of the sponsors that we have, not only a part of the fire drill, but also the fire pit podcast, but also just a sponsor and supporter of everything we do here at the fire pit collective. And uh, that's first stormy workshop, which as you know, is an incredible golf family business based in Halifax, Nova Scotia, where all they do is make quality leather head covers and accessories. As you know, Al, I found the Bishop brothers at the PGA merchandise show almost 10 years ago, been promoting their people and products ever since 
Go to dormyworkshop.com and use promo code FIREPIT15 for 15% off your next purchase. Or go to the pit shop at firepitcollective.com and order one of our exclusive Dormy Workshop head covers or stash bags. Plus, Link Soul is a big sponsor of everything we do. We have a much more immersive relationship um, going forward as of recently. In fact, John Ashworth is now sharing some of our office space here in Oceanside. And, uh, you know, we play all of our home golf at Goat Hill Park, all that he's done up there. Any and all things, Link Soul, John Ashworth, Goat Hill Park, we're a big fan of, supporter of. Go to linksoul.com and use Fire Pit 25 uh, for 25% off your next purchase of all things Link Soul. Uh, on that note, Al, I mean, you know, that comparison and contrast of pro-life versus am-life and that refreshing kind of, of, of look at uh, not only, you know, amateur golf, but specifically women's amateur golf at a place like Bel Air. Um, what, what are your kind of big, big takeaways? Well, one of the things, and this is, I'm not breaking new ground here, but to see it up close, impersonal, in such an intimate setting is how much more fun it is to watch the, the top women play an old classic golf course because they can't blow it over every bunker and every dog leg. And they, they don't hit it so high that it just stops dead on the green. Like they really do have to play the dog legs. They have to use the contours of the green. They have to use the ground more. Um, it's just so pleasing aesthetically to watch. And I'd played Bel Air once since uh, the Tom Doak restoration, but really came away with a new love and appreciation for it because they it was a racetrack. I mean, they'd shave the grass down everywhere. And so it really brought out the contours around the greens. And um, so the recovery shots were, were fascinating, like just um, – and again, you know, I think that the top male pros and even amateurs, they, they can impart so much spin, even in the short game, and they just kind of throw it up in the air and stop it by the hole. And that's cool. It's fun to watch. But, you know, there's 15, 16, 17-year-old girls out there playing in, in the U.S. Women's Amateur. And they don't they don't have that kind of strength. And so it's much more about bumping it into the slopes and feeding it off of the hills. And it was just super fun to watch. So that aspect of it was great. And, um, you know, Rachel Heck was one of the stars of the week from Stanford and she's just such a breath of fresh air. I mean, she was coming in straight from ROTC training at the air force, didn't touch a club or her phone for 18 days and was an absolute grunt, you know, doing pre-dawn jogs and all the things you've seen in the movies. And, um, and, and, Pre previous to that, she'd had, you know, surgery to remove a rib because like, she had this very unusual disorder that was affecting her nerves. And so she played one round of golf since October competitively. And she was just so happy to be there. And every and she just every win was a blessing. And I mean, she's like my new life coach she's talking to her. It was great. She just has such a fantastic perspective on life. And um, she knows. Does that mean I'm was, out? I'm out on the life coaching. Is that, is that you, you're uh, you're my backup? Like I'll you know when I need to go to the bullpen, I'll signal with the, the, the right hand. Uh, uh, so that you're was, making the right was, call. You're making the right I know. call. No, she was a delight, and um, you know the champ Megan Schofield was of Auburn. Uh, just really naturally fun, funny personality, and she was like the other finalist, Latana Stone. They were both fifth year. Um, they've they've had long journeys in college, 
both have had very nice careers, but have never had a big breakthrough of this level. And so it just meant so much to them. I mean, Schofield, she burst into tears after winning her semifinal match. It was just the relief and the happiness. And she was a mess after the, the championship match. And it was just so sweet, you know, talking about her parents and her college coaches who took a chance on her. And, um, this is great. I mean, it, it's really, it's really a joy to be around that energy. And, uh, I think everyone who was watched on TV or those who made the trek out to Bel Air just came away with a new appreciation for how good these players are, how fun it is to watch golf at that level, and and just the um, the good vibes of the amateur game. Is that the fifth year senior stuff? Is that is that all pretty uh, pretty a direct sort of ripple effect of COVID? Yeah, they did grant all the players the ability to take a fifth year if they wanted it, and a lot of them have. Um, and like they're get they're Stone and Schofield, the two finest, they're getting master's degrees. Like you know, they're they're really taking advantage of it. And um, it was interesting. The final four players, uh, there was a, a third uh, fifth year player out of Michigan, and then Heck is is in her fourth year. And that that was an interesting part of the week. Is kind of a subtext to this is not only the COVID stuff, but also the arrival of NIL, the name, image, likeness money. The um, the top players now are not incentivized to go to uh, the LPGA or, you know, heck could have turned pro uh, two years ago if she wanted to, and would have been, would have been coveted in the marketplace, but she has various deals that um, are giving her a nice cushion and take away any of the injury risk. And she's not even sure she wants to turn pro. We talked about, it. she said, I'll, I'll probably try it and see how it goes, but um, you know, I'll have a Stanford degree and I'll have a lot of options and I'm just going to take it as it comes. And um, an interesting subtext to that is that the the international players because they're on student visas in the united states cannot take nil money it's it's kind of a violation of, of the the visa the way it's worded so 15 of the 16 quarter finalists at, at this women's amateur were american and um and in the last this century almost every winner has been a teenager and and whereas all the two finalists were both you know 22 and so um, I think you're going to see a change in the women's amateur where it's going to be more heavily American and it's going to be older. These players who stick around for because of because the NIL money makes it an easy choice. So um, I think that's I think that's good for the championship. Um, yeah, these players, they've been around. You've kind of gone on their on this journey with them, especially in the case of Rachel Heck, who was this freshman phenom and then had two years of injury. And is she now back like you're just more invested than in a 17 a year old who hasn't lived any life and hasn't been through any adversity. Um, and, you know, I think for, for us fans, for better or for worse, you know, they kind of gravitate towards the American players. That's just the, where their rooting interest goes when they don't have a lot of history with the players. So I think it's good for the championship. It's going to, it's going to be, um, the demographics are, are changing and it's been, um, it's been 40 years since any player, a mid-am, you know, defined as someone who's 25 or older won the U S women's amateur, but, and almost as long on, on the U S amateur side, but. I think uh, you're going you're gonna to have a lot more 22, 23-year-olds, which is getting creeping up on the mid-ams uh, cutoff. So uh, it's funny how, how these market forces and, and big-picture things affect these tournaments. I know we'll get into Ireland here in a second, but I was with Anya Donegan at La Hinch just prior, you know, after the Women's U.S. Open and before she left for the Women's U.S. Amateur. And that was a big part of our conversation you know, here she was talking about a breakout star at Pebble Beach and how she kind of won the hearts of 
of the golfing world with her first round 69, her walk and talk on Friday, you know, all that she went through, you know, lost and then broken clubs coming into the women's open, you know, to talk about a breath of fresh air. I mean, just, just <laughs> could not say more about being around her, but the big topic of conversation for her was, you know, now with all this business stuff coming at her and, uh, you know, potential opportunities, but then her going to school at LSU and not being able to get any NIL money because of the visa she's on, she's at a, a huge disadvantage. You know, she comes from a small town, uh, you know, in Ireland, you know, I know, I know her parents, you know, work and stuff, but it's, I, you know, I don't think they're very well off and tr international travel and all the costs that go along with golf in general. I mean, she, you know, I, I just don't know how this all gets sorted, uh, if and when it does or ever. Um, but to your point, I think, uh, us women, you know, us amateur golfers are going to be greatly benefiting from, the NIL deals and the international players are at a huge disadvantage. Yeah. I mean, this, this, this could all change, of course, um, through some tweaks to the, the student visa language or advocacy by, um, various groups. So it, it's not forever, but that's certainly the landscape right now. And I know Anya came into Bel Air very late because of that. And, um, she, you know, she never quite looked like she got her footing and it's a heck of a long journey. Uh, it was it was the wrong week to come in late because a lot of the players stayed with families of Bel Air members at some unbelievable houses right there, and uh, they were having the time of their life. I mean, they're in these mansions in Bel Air and, and bopping around Los Angeles. <laughs> like Latana Stone, her her host family had this murdered out Rolls Royce, like black on black. She was, you know, she was going to and from the the golf tournament and it's like i mean it was just it was just a funny uh it, there's there's a lot of nice clubs out there but the Baylor people like to like to show off uh, and so <laughs> the cars and the houses and i made a i made a joke on not a joke an observation on twitter that got a lot of pickup because all the Baylor members they've got the, the club crest on their hat their shirt their belt their socks i mean uh, we needed to yeah 14 club um you know limit in your in your bag we needed like a two logo limit out there at bel air because they were all in violation of it but uh, <laughs> I, I will say the club did it they were extremely welcoming like that they, they did a great job um it's a very hilly golf course and they had an army of staffers out there in carts to just get fans around if you needed if you needed a boost and they were pulling everyone was carrying waters and there was a place where they had you know cold towels that you could cool off because there was some hot days and uh, they, they they were very hospitable so i guess we'll allow them the logos because they they did a nice job with the fans i i i was saying to anya man coming in on friday before i'm dealing with the jet lag of coming west on that far of a trip, you know, from Ireland to the West coast, eight hour difference. That's a real thing. And for her to get in and have to turn around and adjust to that and also play that, you know, play an unfamiliar golf course. There was a lot stacked against her. Uh, I tried to put her in touch with Gunnar Wiebe, uh, son of Mark Wiebe, and then who played on the PJ tour, obviously. And then Gunnar is now at the DP world uh, tour and and having some good success and not long after COVID sort of recommitted to to playing professionally 
and and I think he has tie he has a tie for the course record or almost shot fifty nine at Bel Air not not that long ago. So I tried I you know I put them in contact. I don't know if they were ever ever, ever talk, but wanted to get Anya a little inside scoop on the on the ins and outs of Bel Air just to try to give her a little help going into going into it. Um, so I don't know whether or not yeah. that that, that yeah I, I didn't I didn't ask for that. Yeah, there's a lot of inside knowledge to be gleaned. Like I was standing at the trophy championship and um, Jim Bones Mackay's brother came up to say hi. I never met him before and um, he's a member out there. And so, you know, it's like, oh, it could have, someone, someone should have rang up Bones. He's played a lot at Bel Air. There's, um, there's, there's some fun connections you make out there. But let, let's talk about Ireland a little bit because you were, you were kind of keeping uh, people apprised of your travels on social, um, but... I'm privy to more of the details. I mean, when the content's coming and we'll talk about it in, in more detail at, at various stages, but we'll just tell the listeners like some of the highlights and how long you were there and how many, how many rounds you played and how much you saw of the entire Island. Cause it's pretty incredible. So even going back pre COVID, my dream was always to play in the father daughter with our daughter, Kylie um, who is now 19, we started talking about this and actually had entered the father-daughter pre-COVID when she was about 15. And it didn't happen um, and for a variety of reasons, but it, it just didn't work out. So the goal was to play in the father-daughter with her, do some work in Ireland, and then play in the father-son. It's something I've played in now for over 10 years. And... Um, and we've talked a lot about that. I've done features on that. That's obviously one of the greatest events in golf in the world. There's no question about it. 96 teams, fathers and sons. It's the 34th year this year. Um, it was the 15th year of the father-daughter. And I will tell you that um, Kylie is had played a lot of hockey growing up. She, uh, we've gone to Goat Hill Park. She's, we, she played a year on her high school golf team when we were in Florida. But at that point, that high school golf team was really just almost like an introduction to the game. It, it wasn't a very hyper competitive. So she had never actually played 18 full holes of golf. She had played Winter Park nine with me. She she'd you know, hit some range balls at Goat Hill Park. The father daughter up to 40 teams this year. It's not. It's not, you know, yes, there are, there are a lot of, there are a lot of, you know, young women out there who can play really good golf. And obviously there are some, the, 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 the variation of dad's skill levels is all over the map from, you know, plus to, to, to 25 handicap. So it's, it's, it's really, you know, even the father son, it's not, as I say, if you show up to win, you're probably not at the right kind of event. If you happen to win, then let's celebrate. You know what I mean? It's not about that. It's about the, the networking and the camaraderie and the conversations and the, it's just, it's just about so much more that we've talked about a million times that golf provides. It's about the course. It's about the, the community around that golf course. It's, it's so much. So Kylie goes in, we get three incredible days of weather. Thank God. Because <laughs> if it was raining sideways, I think she would have looked at me like, is this really what, like you play in this? I mean, you know, like she's just way more sensible than anybody that I know. So she would have looked at me like, this just makes no sense. I mean, we got it. We're going <laughs> in. And so we had great weather. 
Um, she had her first pint of Guinness. She's 19, drinking age there is 18. So she had her first pint of Guinness, first shot of whiskey. She had her first 18 holes of golf. She had her first tournament uh, uh, of golf. Uh, she got her first, uh, you know, little tattoo. Her and her mom went to Dublin Inc. And uh, she got three little daisies on her arm <laughs> representing her, her mom, and her grandma. Uh, you know, she, uh, you know, t as you know, Alan, uh, teenagers dealing with COVID and in high school really handcuffed their social growth. Kylie moved states. She moved high schools. Her social growth was seriously stunted by this global pandemic. She had become very, you know, shellish as far as her so so social endeavors. She works hard. She has a 4.2 GPA. She's an amazing human being, talented in so many different ways. This trip to Ireland, that tournament, the father-daughter, not only helped us and our relationship, it helped her social growth, uh, you know, immensely. Like we, Katie and I, we watched her literally blossom. Uh, and she was with uh, three great, young, incredible uh, women in uh, in um, Julia Carr, Sophie Grace Carr. So Julia Carr is the son of a uh, daughter of Marty Carr. Sophie Grace is the daughter of uh, of of Roddy Carr, and then um, and then Aiden Malloy's uh, daughter. Um, uh, she is Adriana uh, Malloy. These girls have been playing in the father daughter for so long and they took Kylie under her wing and, you know, helped kind of uh, shepherd her as a golfer, but also as a young female in a foreign country. It was, you know, so that in itself, if you're looking for highlights and we did a, we're going to do a whole feature on the father daughter and why this particular tournament uh, matters in the bigger scheme of things for the fathers, the daughters and the greater game of golf. So that to me, is where we started and that was like the the the, the biggest highlight That's in so addition cool. by the way yeah. By the way, her first round was at Waterville. Like, I mean, you're talking about one of the great links courses in the world. <laughs> like, that's it's all it's not all downhill from there, but it's close. And, um, but yeah, that that's that's so cool. I mean, I've of course I've I've gotten to know Kylie. She's she's just such a, a sweetheart, and I'm um, delighted you guys had that that experience. Yeah, she'll never forget it. It's no. yeah. that special. Um, no, and I, and I think it's changed the way she's looking at her life. She's changed. It's changed the way she's looking at you know the future of of where she wants to go to school or to live or to travel. You know, I think uh, you know, travel is such a gift. Uh, getting out and seeing the world around us. It's why I, you know, why my life, my professional life, has been such a blessing to be able to you know move around and meet the people I meet at some of these destinations or, or, or events like a father, daughter or father, son. So yeah, that, that's, uh, uh, she's come back and she wants to play more golf. She wants to win it next year. She got better every swing by the end. Her last hole of her last round was the 18th hole at water glass along uh, uh, Waterville along a uh, par five along the water. She had hit the green in three, uh, on the previous day and I think four putted uh, and she was getting two, she was getting two shots. She was getting two yeah. shots on this 
particular day, she lipped out for what would have been a five net three, which would have been Eagle four point in Stableford. And, uh, and it just hung on the edge and we all collapsed. It's a picture I posted on Instagram. Uh, Mel McLean, uh, of momentum golf photography, he, he shot. And so she made a six for four and made a birdie, but like that's where it ended. And she is hooked. She's hooked. So anyway, no, um, that's so great. Yeah. I mean, we, in addition to all that, Go ahead. Yeah. In addition to all that, we played La Hinch, Ardglass, Port Marnock, Port Martin, Lin- Port Marnock Lynx, Adair uh, from the tips. Uh, I stopped by and saw the changes to Dunebeg. Um, you know, obviously, uh, keeping all politics aside, you know, what Hawtrey did to what the original Greg Norman design was, uh, was something I, I wanted to get eyes on. And next door to Dunebeg is uh, Michael Boland's original home going back to the 1800s michael boland if you didn't if you saw our dublin travel show is my great great grandfather so we knocked on uh doors talk about a highlight katie kylie and bandon and i the four of us knocked on doors found a farmer who knew what we were talking about brought us out to my great great grandfather's old farm we found the ruins of his house where my great-grandfather francis boland was born before he emigrated to san francisco so i mean i've been out there now twice we've shot some stuff there that's we pieced together from the epic emigration museum and the family history center and all the information we got there and connected the dots to the home in which they used to live and as of this morning i took a couple stones we took from the old ruins and put them in our backyard in kind of a ceremonial <laughs> like situation with bandon and i bringing it next to to this other little collection of rocks we have in the backyard. So I mean, that, 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 those are just two highlights. <laughs> I mean, not to mention oh, wow. two all Ireland's, the football, the Gaelic football and the, and the hurling, uh, the courses we played, the 40 foots. We went to Portumna, uh, and, uh, Portumna golf club, like the Portumna golf course is my new best value golf course in the world, not just in <laughs> Ireland in the world amazing for 30 euros you can play portumna golf club and and i'm going to do a whole feature and a little breakdown on on you know it's it's you know it's you can get it get to do it to it from an hour and a half from la Hinch. it's next to like a national forest it is in, in immaculate condition 30 euros you're going to play a golf course in which you think it's 300 euros it's it's uh phenomenal so got to spend time with a uh, uh, owen lynch his family in portumna a friend i've made in my travels i got to play backyard hurling with his kids they roughed me up a little bit but i was able to hold my own um <laughs> i went out with a guy named noel ryan i poured pints in la Hinch at the 19th bar in la Hinch for two hours i was well overserved myself i barely survived the night um Uh, I, I, you know, I just did this. We have stories out of this trip to Ireland and the previous trip to Ireland that are going to last us for the next 12 months. And then some, well, I think the listeners can probably pick up on your excitement and your passion for this. So <laughs> it's going to be, I can't wait to see it all come to life. I mean, should all this, everything you just talked about has been captured on camera. Like it's going to be some, yes. some spectacular content. And, you know, we've, we've kind of recommitted to these, this, the long form travel uh, pieces because, you know, that's Matt's so good at it and they're timeless. And 
who doesn't get swept up in in you know wanting to to visit these amazing places so that the 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 dublin version is, is already out on you can find it on our youtube channel or um i think maybe when this podcast drops of course we'll link to it and maybe we'll, we'll re-up it on our homepage. um and this this is kind of part two of ireland that, that, that focus in belfast but has a lot of other uh, facets as well so that'll be coming hopefully next week so it's um it's fun it's fun to a lot of people do travel and you can certainly if you if you type in 10 best golf courses in ireland you're going to get various lists and various um opinions but the thing i love about these immersive stories you do matt is that it the, the golf is part of it obviously but it's really a a cultural excursion. You're, you're sort of like the Anthony Bourdain of, of the golf beat where it's like really burrowing into these, these places you visit and finding the characters and finding the history. And I mean, you're as much a, an anthropologist as you are a, a, a golfer. And so um, I just, you know, just as a fan, I, I love to watch them because they, they make me feel connected. I've been to these, some of these places, not all of them, but I feel closer to them after I watch the, the videos because it's, you, you get the context and, and the history and uh, it's uh, it's neat. So I can't wait for this one because I've, I've been lucky to play through Northern Ireland and it's phenomenal, but I want to learn more. Well, that, you know, the whole, I think we're, we're both kind of refocused. Our whole team here at the Firepit Collective is refocused on our core, you know, our core objectives, inform and fi- inspire, entertain, and f- make people smarter about the world they live in, inspire them to go see it and do it for themselves and entertain them if, if and when we can make them laugh or cry or do both. And that's the way I've looked at any and all things I've done from a travel perspective. And I don't rate courses on T to green on the architecture or architects that certainly factors into my overall rating of of a golf course but uh or or a travel trip or a destination but for me it's about the overall experience and the experience is at a course from when the time you pull in to the time you leave what is that experience what do you feel you know it's not just do i want to go back and play that course again it's do i want to go back and experience that course again and all that comes with it it's you know it's the person the first greeting you make to the to the to the send-off you get um, and whether or not you feel like you, you, you feel that warmth and it's something you can't really uh, sometimes describe, but it's something that you can articulate in, in what you feel. And so I look at that in all of my trips and all of my travel logs, my journeys is, um, and, and, and we don't, we, when we go and move around, we don't just experience the golf course. You go out to dinner, you go out for a pint or, or a beer or a drink. You got to go find a place to stay. You have to get to your next uh, location. So that's what journeys or away games as I used to do at golf digest before I did journeys at golf channel. And now what we're doing at fire pit and partnering with in some cases, golf digest and golf channel is to, is to try to continue on that whole experience, which is, yeah, it's 40 to 60% golf and it's 40 to 60% of what's happening off the golf course. And, and we are sticking to that formula because it's something that has always worked 
and uh, and and why change now and you know you and i have done a lot of trips together you've written about our trips uh you know uh, we've you know socially posted about our trips we're going to be doing more trips together in in the future as well and look forward to some of some of that as you know as as we continue to kind of team up on all things you know golf (laughs) yeah absolutely i look forward to that um yeah, we were talking about some some destinations this morning that uh, have been in touch with us as we're starting to put out all these videos, and they want us to to come do it. It's like, uh, do you want to go to Iceland? Yeah, I think we want to go to Iceland. We want like I think just go on down the list. It's, it's Montana, yes, yeah, Montana. check um, um, Hawaii, but um, uh, yeah. So let, let's talk about another big event in the recent history of the Fire Pit Collective, which was the Billy Walters Phil Mickelson excerpt that we dropped last Thursday. Um, that just took over the the golf media, the, the sports media, crossed over into the business page. Like it, it was just uh, the amount of energy, as as we knew would would happen. Like, um, you know, Bennett, uh, one of our our key support guys, he actually called this uh, WordPress, which that's the kind of the what our what runs our the organization that runs our website. <clears throat> excuse me, Bennett called WordPress to say, okay, we're expecting a lot of traffic. Like we got, like, let's, let's uh, get the girders in place. Like let's button things up. It's like, you know, you're, when the hurricanes come, you start putting plywood over the windows and stuff. Like that was kind of the vibe. We knew this was going to go crazy. And of course it did. Um, uh, it's, it's always fun and interesting to be the center of these storms. Um, you know, this was, these, this was Billy's story. These are Billy's words, not, not mine or yours, but we were, a delivery system. And it was actually interesting because a guy came up to me at, at Bel Air. He's just, um, he was just a fan at the tournament and he's just a fan of the fire. I never met him before. He introduced himself and he said, I just got to ask you, like, what was it like, you know, right before you pressed publish on that, on that excerpt? Cause you know, you knew things were going to get crazy. And he's like, did you think about it? Did you take a deep breath? Did you say a little prayer? Like he was like, it was, it was sort of, he understood sort of the cinematic moment of like when you press the button and these things go live. Um, it was it was it was a perceptive question, but um, you know, well, I, I how think, was it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had been I'd been immersed in this for so long. Like, I, I guess I'm I'm not immune to it, but it's like, okay, here we go. You know, it's just uh, because it does take over your life on socially. As far as I spent two days on the fire pit handle, just engaging with people, answering questions, adding context, uh, and I mean that was fun. But it's. I felt my, I felt a few times I had to lay down and close my eyes because my brain was scrambled. There's just so much coming in and so much going out at the same time. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And of course, Phil is, he's remarkable. He's at the live event at Trump Bedminster when all this stuff goes on and to, played the first two rounds. He played some of his best golf of the year. I mean, he was, he was right. He was nipping at Cam Smith's heels. And then in classic Micklesonian fashion, made an eight on a par three and crashed and burned and just set himself on fire. I mean, it would have been epic if he could have actually won his first live event the same week this drops. It would have been so in character. The guy just somehow thrives on the, on the juice. You know, he just, that's, that's the whole, that's the whole subtext of the excerpt and to my book about him and just his life. He like, he needs the juice and everything. And, um, I, you know, maybe it all caught up with him on, during the final round, but, um, what, what were you, you the- over in Ireland? I mean, you were far away geographically, but everyone's in the golf world there. So what was, what was your reaction like there? No, it was, I was on the 17th tee of Waterville 
a very good par three um and and one of the the drastic improvements that that tom fazio made to that golf course was that whole 17th green you can look out beyond you can see the waterville house in the distance and um rain and wind are are at its peak i mean it is coming sideways it's totally out of control i've got both rain gloves on uh, you know everything is soaked to total breach of 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 rain gear at this point <laughs> i mean i i was you know i literally poured water out of my shoes after the round and at that moment was when was when uh you know the the send button happened and my phone is going crazy and i'm getting texts and comments and commentary and i'm trying i'm trying to respond to some of the 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 most important ones i think even a a, a text to you at that point in both rain gloves with a rain soaked face of my <laughs> iPhone. And I was like, I just, I can't do that. I got, it's gonna, I can't do this right now. This is not happening. I'm going to have to hit pause on this, but it was, you know, we're with, you know, 96 fathers and sons and all of whom, you know, care and, and, and consume the game. Uh, not unlike anybody probably listening to this podcast. And I think it's a general mixed reaction, which is no one's surprised that Phil bets or bet a lot um i think the numbers uh were staggering uh when you put a b instead of an m like as we discussed previously that's that's an amazing and then running the numbers of how many bets on average per day or specific days in which he made a ton of bets and that was kind of a, and then and the in the attempt uh to bet on you know i guess which he denies um but Billy says he made that phone call and wanted to bet on the U.S. team in 2012. It was just a massive head shake, which is just like, wow, I, you know, obviously, you know, all that being true, uh, that's just that's 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 insane. That's uh, that there are people who have problems, you know, gambling issues. And that takes it to a level that I don't think a lot of people can even process or, or imagine to be, to be realistic. Yeah. Although, in, you know, importantly in his very artfully crafted statement, you know, Phil didn't deny calling Billy and requesting him to take the bet. He just said he didn't wind up betting on the Ryder Cup. So it, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, his, it feels his legalese is always interesting to parse, but, um, I will say, and Armin Katayan, by the way, not to, not to, you know, like Armin Katayan's response to all of that and what he filed in response to that on our website as well, I just thought was, was really important. And, um, I think we're going to, we're going to get Armin on uh, a podcast here in the near future, but, I just, you know, I go back to playing softball with Armin Katayan at Sports Illustrated in, in, in Central Park. And I've always respected and marveled at his, you know, much like yourself, people like Jaime Diaz, Tim Rosefort, John Hawkins, Bob Verde. I've always had, you know, some of my favorites. Um, and he's always been one of my favorite, you know, Bill Knack is another guy I'd mentioned, but like Armin Katayan is, he is no mess around as it relates to journalism, writing, reporting, and the sum total of his of his his work portfolio. It's incredible. Yeah, and you know, Arm and I, we've been talking off and on for a while. And I mean, it was a three year project to get this book in print. Yeah, it, it, he, 
he it was almost the way he describes it. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like he was riding this bucking bronco because Billy Walters has stories upon stories, <laughs> and and but fact checking them and and running down the other people who were part of the tale and confirming it all. I mean. It, it was like the mother of all fact-checking jobs. And, um, you know, in the story you mentioned that on Fire Pit Collective that Armin wrote, he does get into some of the methodology. And, um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, I think the writing the book, the actually typing up the stories was the easy part. It was all the vetting and, and all the investigating and, and all the fact-checking. That was the real challenge. And um, hats off to Armin because that, that, that was no doubt complex. But I will say what one one of the the primary reactions that came through on social as I as I was as I was engaging with so many different golf fans were people saying you know this makes me like Phil more you know what a legend <laughs> like as we talked about last week I mean Phil's going to survive this because he survives everything and I think a lot of people are like hey it's his money he can do whatever he wants like it, if I had that kind of money I would I would I would bet on everything too. And uh, there was, I think, this is partially because sports betting and gambling has become such a part of the mainstream culture. Um, people were just more amazed than than outraged. You know, it was just like, wow, that's crazy. But you know, uh, I, that kind of makes me like Phil. So I, uh, I'm agnostic. You know, I'm, I'm I think I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything uh, when it comes to Phil Mickelson. Like, I, our my attitude in my book, and I think Billy Walters was the same. Like, I'm just gonna tell the story. These are the facts and people can draw their own conclusions. And without, that was interesting. I mean, I think, you know, I just, I read that the Cincinnati Reds baseball stadium, they now have a sports book on the ground, you know, and Pete Rose, of course, is banned for betting. Like the um, <laughs> society has changed a lot. And um, I, of course, a bunch of NFL guys are getting suspended right now for betting. Um, you know, it's, it's a fine line when you, you get into the, the, participants of the games and you know one i was talking to bamberger about this and he was close to bart giamatti actually wrote a play about bart giamatti that um uh was produced in philadelphia and giamatti was the commissioner of baseball who banned pete rose and uh, michael's also friendly with this guy john dowd i believe is his name he he was kind of look he was the person who did the investigation of pete rose and, and Michael's takeaway, if, if I could speak for him, is that what these guys say is even if you're betting on your own team, that shows a level of desperation. And what happens is that when you're betting that much and that regularly, eventually the bookie is going to own you. And that was the whole lesson of the Black Sox scandal, going back to 1919, the Chicago White Sox, is when, when you're betting on your own sport, you're going to lose and you're going you're gonna to eventually owe the bookie your life on, on some level and then you can be manipulated and then you can they can extract information and then they can they can nudge you to go to the dark side and that's really the danger and i, I thought that was an interesting perspective uh when it comes to phil is um again he's denied betting on the Ryder cup and we'll have to take that at face value but that he was considering it um and that he gambles so much i mean it would be very easy for him to start dabbling in betting on golf because there he has real proprietary information you know he's He's in the locker room on Wednesday and he knows that some guy, um, you know, wrenched his back or uh, found a magic putter and made 13 birdies in their practice round. Or, you, you know, you can imagine that someone on the inside, what kind of information they're privy to. And that that 
it was an interesting perspective from Michael is that's where it gets dangerous is um, when you start betting on your own sport, you've gone, you've, you've, you've already broken a very important barrier. You've sort of crossed the Rubicon and then what, how susceptible are you to, to keep pushing that? And again, we don't have any well, hard isn't that but, in that, isn't but, that called insider, like insider trading, which ironically is ultimately what, what Billy, you know, <laughs> did time. Yeah. Did time. I mean, I, I told this story not even that long ago on this podcast, but when I was, you know, in uh, 2004, when I extracted a thousand pounds from our Sports Illustrated editor, Jim Harry, to go over to the Open Championship and and bet, you know, at Ladbrokes on the, the corner stores. And I was running around talking to every caddy, swing coach, physio, wife I could find. I was pumping them for information. <laughs> like, I, I'm, you know, it was totally unethical, but um, I was having a great time. And <laughs> Um, so I, I understand that that rush. You know, you hear something you, and about some obscure player who got in a fight with his wife the night before. You're like, oh, I'm going to bet against that guy. Like, it, I totally went down that rabbit hole. And I'm coming. This is my confessional now, 20 years later. But um, you know, it was even it was in the service of the readership. I wrote about it. It was all really for fun. I'm not really a gambler. That was a, a one off. But I, I kind of picked up on that adrenaline. Like, oh God. I think Nick Price just sprained his ankle. Like I got to go bet against him in the um, in his matchup against KJ Choi. Like you know, like it's um, it's just funny. Like how I I can see it that I'm not talking about Phil. I'm talking about anybody when when you when you're in a sport and you know so much, uh, the temptation is there, and so that, that's why you need that firewall uh, because then things can can go off the rails very quickly. Uh, Aaron Hills, Ricky Elliott practice round talking about ultimately port stewart which we just did the story on which will drop in in our northern ireland piece told me you know his guy brooks kepka has never hit the driver better never hit it farther never hit it straighter i put 100 bucks 35 to 1 i think brooks was at that time <laughs> 3500 bucks later and um and then uh sergio garcia before he won the masters i heard the father-in-law gave him a big cage rattle like get over yourself like quit acting like you know um the game like owes you something go out and earn it like go win like stop being such a little bitch basically and uh and that was the father-in-law you know who comes from like a you know kind of a football family and kind of gave him gave him that shake up i had heard that and I was like, oh, wow, that that might be exactly the pep talk that Sergio needed. And he won the Masters. And I, I benefited. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's I felt a little like, I mean, this is really good info. <laughs> Put a little <laughs> couple of dollars on this one. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I can't tell you how many golf bets I've lost when I thought I had in insider info. But those two in particular uh, stuck with me because they were big wins. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, I. A guy like Jason Sobel, you know, he used, was at ESPN. Now he writes for the Action Network, and we have we have other colleagues who were on the beat, and now they're they're writing for gaming sites. You know, Teddy Greenstein, he's uh, he was at Chicago Trib, like, yeah. um, you know, they're out there talking to people. So it's I, I don't know where where you draw the line on this. Um, it's it's or very, can you like how like how I mean, how it, I don't know. It's um, but I think how you do it. The, for the players is you just you just say this, this is the red line you can't cross and so i will be curious if if the the there's any formal investigation into um 
Billy Walter's accusation, if the PGA of America would look into it because it's their championship. You know, Phil was a PGA Tour member then. He's not now. But if, if the framework agreement gets consummated, he would have access to go back. Like, are the, the powers that be, that be just going to completely sweep this under the rug and, and just dismiss it? Or are they going to feel compelled to look into it? And, um, you know, it's an interesting question. We'll see. Of course, if it's the tour, they don't talk about these things at all. Golf is always so hush-hush. But um, I think it's probably a wake-up call for professional golfers. Like, you know, you got you just – you just can't cross that line. Even, even 10, 11, 12 years later, it might, it might come out. And, um, well, again, Phil's denied it. Um, Billy says in, in the excerpt, like uh, we hung up, I don't know if he placed a bet with somebody else. So we're gonna have to take Phil's word that he didn't, but to even make the call and even to consider it is, is very interesting and revealing. And, um, this whether this is a point of inflection for the game or not i don't know but you know the pga tour has gotten really big into sports betting live golf just announced a relationship with uh sports bet they're going to i think it's sports bet i don't i don't keep track there's so many of them now but they're they're going to <laughs> i know literally all. just end there's it so many something. Yeah, yeah yeah there's gonna there live is gonna offer like you know official channel to to bet on their rounds so it's so pervasive um whether the whether the the sport wants to take a hard look at this or not, I mean, there's already language, um, but if if it, if things are going to get are going to get uh, taken a little more seriously, and if there's going to be any fallout from this particular case, remains to be seen. Man, <laughs> lot interesting times. Interesting <laughs> times. We go from yeah. you know, am life, you know. NIL deals to uh, to to you know where we are in the state of gambling uh, yeah. with a little you know father daughter father son in the middle you know little uh, Ireland <laughs> the purity of the Irish the yeah. Irish where where amateurs actually play for borderline nothing by the way to talk about all all Ireland finals and you got you got guys like Joe Canning who are the Steph Curry's of their game telling me that uh who's a who's a who's a prominent figure in our dublin piece joe canning 14 years won in all ireland you know won four club four club championships all irelands for portumna uh you know just all everybody agrees he's one of the greatest to ever play the game and at the height of his powers was making about forty thousand euros a year in in endorsement deals uh if he was lucky forty thousand a year you know and you know he would have been he would have been making you know 40 million a year in the u.s i mean he's like he's he's messy he's gretzky he's steph curry's game changer and and uh they did it for the love of each other, their town, their county, and um, and still do to this day. It's changing a little bit, and I think there's more money floating around thanks to the people like a J.P. McManus who, you know, s- sort of realizes like this is kind of ridiculous. Let's try to help these people out. We're, you know, but the GAA and and some of the people, you know, Joe Canning tells me he hits a shot from the sideline as time is running out, ties up the game. And in a tie game at the end of hurling and an all hurling, all hurling final means they come back like two weeks later and replay the game. So another 83,000 tickets are sold, all the concessions, <laughs> all the merchant, all that stuff. It happens all over again. How much does Joe Canning get to that? You know, zero. Amazing. 
and yeah. and and the difference between that and the PGA Tour players and all that's happening in professional golf versus the purity of of you know the GAA uh, sporting life in Ireland you couldn't couldn't get uh you know further ends of the spectrum so it's just fascinating well yeah i mean in summary um i think if people are fans of fire pit collective it's because we sort of we're eclectic and we, we follow things we're passionate about and we're never going to be like a golf.com or golfdigest.com where we try and cover everything it's just there's enough of that out there already and you know we don't want to write 500 word stories about rory mcelroy's new putter you know we'll let that other people do that but uh, we kind of immerse ourselves. Although Lucas in, Glover, Lucas Glover's new putter is is a pretty hot topic. Yeah, that, that is interesting. <laughs> I do want to hear more on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucas, pour some out. I mean, Lucas is what a, what a run he's been on. But you know, we're, we 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 just kind of follow our hearts, and so like I'm I'm on this little run of amateur events. It's been fun, and I'll be writing every day about the U.S. Amateur. People can check that out on our website, and your Ireland content's coming. Um, you know, we're, we're, it's now two months from the book release of my live book. There will be a content bonanza around that. We've got various other projects in the works. So it's nice to surprise the listeners and the readers. Like, I think maybe they don't necessarily know what's coming next. I, that, to me, that's a good thing. Like, you, I think you always want to um, surprise and delight the people who are following along. So can't wait to, to watch all these these videos unspool, Matt. Uh, I know you're going to be busy on the, the editing and the um, the back end of all this. So it'll be, um, it'll be great fun. We will of course put that on all our channels and let everyone know what to look for and when, but, um, I think this is a fun chat. So thanks for taking the time. Uh, any, any parting shots before we release the listeners? No, good to be back. Good to be home. I love being away, but it's always good to be home. Good to be back in Oceanside. Uh, I've missed my Goat Hill Park community. We've got a monthly medal on Saturday. I'm hoping my Lynx uh, golf experiences and the shots that I was hitting over there translates into something fun come Saturday. But you know what? You know, the, the curse of having any expectations going in indie golf round is, is the death of, of all good scores. So, yeah. Um, but uh, good to be back here. Good to be back on with you, and uh, and can't wait for for what's next because it's a lot. And uh, yeah, so. it's always something coming. All right. Well, this was another Fire Drill podcast. I am Alan Shipnuck. That was Matt Janella. We appreciate you for listening. Thanks to Link Soul and Dormy uh, for sponsoring us and helping us keep doing what we're doing. Uh, and we'll be back at it again soon. So that's the end. Thanks. I bet big and I played to win Made a fortune when my ship came in I ran the table, never thought I could fall Then the winter time hit me like a cannonball And now I can't shake this losing streak Every road I take is a dead-end street I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out Trying not to think what I'm thinking about I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out Trying not to think what I'm thinking about Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4-14-24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.